2 Samuel chapter 22. We're going to be in verses 31 through 46. I'll be honest, I was kind of nervous. I was like, there's been a couple of things that have kind of, a couple of hiccups this morning, this week, and I was like, you know what, it'd be, I don't want to call it my luck. Uh, it, it would it would kind of work out that my laptop would like shut down or something as I got up here with the way things were this morning. I'm not complaining. I, it's actually funny. Like, yeah, it's like laugh. It's, it's funny. Um, yeah, so th- this is kind of on a side. I'm going to get into it, but this week I went to lunch with a friend of mine and there was like nobody in the restaurant when we got there. We order our food. His comes out, then all these other people come in. I'm like, okay, you know, and he's like, I was like, go ahead and eat, you know, and he's like, no, no, I'll wait for you. Then like five other tables come in and like they're all getting their food. All And I was sitting there. The first table I was a little upset and then I was like, okay, now it's just ridiculous. Like it's just like it comes to a point to where it goes from you're upset to like, okay, this is God teaching me something. Like that's all this could be. And it was probably 30 minutes later my food came. It was hot, but I was like, what happened? Like other people were eating the same thing I was eating. So anyways, yeah, that was that. But <clears throat> that wasn't what I was hoping to open with, but just thinking about some of the things that even transpired this morning, I was like, yeah, this is, this is about right. Yeah, this, this, this is how God operates, right? Man plans his steps and the Lord directs his path, and they don't always align because my will isn't always in line with God's will. Um, but with that said, the question I did want to ask is why is it when we're going through something, right, whether it's stress at work, stress in the home, financial troubles, sickness, whatever, right? The thought that always goes through our head is like, I'm the only one dealing with stress and everybody else just has it so easy right now. Like, why am I the one dealing with this? And I'm over here drowning and people are just kind of walking around like life is okay, right? I'm the only one going through problems. What was me? That, that type of thing, right? It's, it's that old adage, right? The grass is always greener on the other side. Like that's, maybe that's not you, right? I don't, you know, maybe, but I know that's the way I get. I, I get pretty I beat, not beat myself up. I tend to kind of make the worst case. And, you know, when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, you know, there are some people legitimately that have fairly easy lives. I I think there's probably a small percentage of people that actually, you know, they they never have to deal with a whole lot of stuff. There's a small percentage. And then on the other end, there's some people that just always seem to have chronic issues, right? Like no matter what they do, that they've always got something wrong. But I think most of us are kind of in that middle, right? In that, that, um, whatever that bell's curve or whatever they call it. Like we, we, we tend to find ourselves in the middle where we've got just enough stress where life is uncomfortable, right? It's not terrible, it's not easy, but we're kind of right there in the middle. It's like there's always something going on, but it's usually manageable, right? We kind of find ourselves there. <clears throat> but when I think about that, like I was thinking about my life, right? Where, where, we, where, were, we, where were we these last few weeks? A couple weeks ago, we lost my aunt, right? And so... She passed away on a Monday. By Tuesday, I was notified, like, hey, can you officiate the, the funeral and the, the viewing? I'm like, sure. They, they live three hours away. We're going to get down there. And uh, I was asked to do the Saturday service, so I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, I have all week to kind of prepare for this. This will be my first funeral I'm doing on my own, but, like, it'll, it'll be fine. And then the next day, I find out the pastor who was going to do Friday was like, hey, he's got COVID. Can you cover Friday, too? I'm like, Okay. I'll take care of both. I'm going to take some time off. But then I'm also trying to spend time with, you know, call my family who just lost their mother, uh, trying to take care of my family, you know, put these sermons together, right, do all this stuff, try to figure out what we're going to do. 
because uh, the goal was to try to make it as seamless as possible for the family, right? Like, this is my first one, and I don't want anything to go wrong. So all these thoughts and all this is going through my head, right? Went through all that, and, and it went great. By God's grace, it was a beautiful ser- service. Like, everything went smooth. Get back, then we get stomach bugs running through our house for the week, right? So I'm, I'm off three days that week, two weeks ago. And then I'm like, okay, we're good. Um, going to get back to work this past week. Going to start working out again. Going to do all this stuff. And I'm just like exhausted all week. I'm like, man, what is going on? Then I get a sinus infection. And I'm like out of work a couple more days. Uh, we have to cancel trade on Thursday. All this stuff. I'm like, I mean, I was this close to calling Pastor David and be like, look, man, I'm going to have to need you. You're going to have to cover for me on Sunday. Like, but then he's going through some, some stuff with their family as Jeannie sent out these texts about his sister-in-law. And so... Right, all of us are going through stuff, but this week, right, as, as God saw fit, I'm the one preaching, and I'm the one that's feeling sorry for myself through the week. I'm like, why do I got to go through all this? And I'm just, like, frustrated. Um, and so I, I get there, and I'm, like, just, I'm a little perturbed, a little hot under the collar. Um, as, as I know some people like to say, I was a little frustrated, uh, which apparently is a mix of the words fussy and frustrated, I guess. But, you know, we're, we're there. That's how I'm feeling. And uh, then I, I, I get into preparation for today. And the first verse, verse 31, like, hits right between the eyes. And, and I want to read it before we read our passage. It says this, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. I'm like, ooh. Ah, okay. Right? And then I got to start prepping. But... We're, we're human, right? So there's the reality, the truth of God's word, and then there's our emotions, our will, our desires, and how these things don't always match. And so I know this is true, and I know I need to be living a lot of this, but I'm still upset, right? Like it's both, and I, I need to get in line. And it, it takes time, right? It takes God. He wants to show us, like, look, this is what you do for yourself. Uh, this is what I do for you when you rely on me, right? But what do we tend to do? We tend to rely on ourselves, our own strength, and all that. And so um, that's where I was this week, kind of thinking about those things and <clears throat> kind of getting there, right? Thinking about God's way is perfect. And not only is, way, is his way perfect, but it says that the word of the Lord proves true, right? I, I, I like that. I like how it, it, his word is true and his ways are perfect. And it's not perfect because I've experienced it in my life and know that it's true. It's not true because you've experienced it in your life and you know it's true. It's because God said it, that that determines that it's true. Um, the reason I say that is because it's easy to try to place our experiences over scripture and say, you know what, this is true because I've, I've gone through it. But what's to stop any of us from discrediting the, the experiences of a, a Mormon, a, a Muslim, a, a Jehovah's Witness, someone, an atheist, right? Like if their experiences are the ultimate sign of truth, well, what's the difference between us and God's word? And so it's, it's God's word that must always be held to the utmost authority, right? Let God be true and every man a liar. It, it, it has to be God's word that is truth, and we're the ones that have to go to it to find truth so that we can understand the experiences that we're going through and see them in light of God's word. It, it has to be that way. It can't be the other way. We don't go to scripture trying to make God, God's word fit our lives. We need to take God's work and, and fit it into our lives and make sure our lives align what his word says. Now, I say all that because as we get into this, this song of praise is what this is, 2 Samuel 22, it's eventually turned into a psalm. It's turned into Psalm 18. And in this song or psalm, David, 
he is singing God's praises. And, and it's, it carries this format where he opens with praises to the Lord, kind of like a doxology that we do at the end of service. And then he goes into God's deliverance. And then he talks about what Pastor talked about last week, which was because of his, uh, you know, David's righteousness, God blessed him, which what that means is his obedience to God's law, right? He saw God's favor in his life. He saw God bless him in the things that he did. And then he comes back to God's deliverance for him in, um, in his battles. And that's where we're going we're gonna to cover those things today. And then he ends it with another praise. So it's kind of like this nice sandwich of praise to the Lord. This is what God has done for me. This is why he did it. Once again, it's God at work, and I, and I thank him for it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And then he ends with praise to him. And so that's, that's this whole psalm, 51 verses, lots of stuff going on. We're covering uh, 16 verses today. Um, we don't have time to cover everything that's in there with 16 verses, but it's such a, it's been a blessing for me this week. I didn't realize it until this morning, because uh, I'm like putting it together, but like it's been such a, it, it's come full circle for me. I'll, I'll put it that way. So all that to say this, right, the, the, the sermon summary, the comforting thought that I came to as I was preparing, as I got here this morning, as things were going on in my head, this is what's true about God, right? Uh, I may not always see it. I may not always feel it. But like we read in verse 31, this God, his way is perfect. His word, his word proves true. And he is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. That's, that's what I want you to go away with, right? If you don't listen to anything else I say today, remember that, right? You may not always see it, right? In the midst of the storm, you don't know why it's going on. You may not feel like it's what needs to happen, but ultimately God's way is perfect and his word proves true and he is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Now, there's two big ideas or two points that we're going to cover today as we look at these verses. That's kind of your overarching theme. But what we're going to look at is, is really simple. God provides and God protects, right? God provides and God protects. That, that's what, what that sermon summary that kind of these two points fit underneath that. Water. I'm still kind of getting over this cough. But God provides and God protects. So with that said, let us go ahead and read our passage for this morning, and then we will get right into it. My goal is to not uh, keep you moms here too long. Uh, you know, I want to respect y'all's time. I know some of y'all are probably got stuff cooking and simmering in the, at, the, at the house, and so we will have a timely sermon. I'm not going to cut it short. It's God's time for us, but I'm not going to drag it out either, okay, <clears throat> as I'm prone to do. But this is the word of God, right? Let's go, let's go to God's word. And I want to say this concerning God's word. It is God-breathed, right? It is profitable for us to hear it, to read it, to study it. Uh, it's profitable for us for correction, rebuke, for teaching, for training in righteousness so that we as God's people may be complete and equipped for every good work. That's, that's why God's word is important, all of it. Genesis to Revelation, there's so much wisdom we can pull from God's word. And so let's not kind of just read it and just kind of let it go by, by the wayside. God breathed these words. He carried along his prophets and apostles as they wrote these words in order to give us these truths. And so it's important for us to understand that as God's word goes forth, it, it falls and it, it does what it's intended to do. It falls on, it, the seeds are planted, and he causes the growth. And so it's, it's important for us to consider all of God's word in that fashion. So <clears throat> with that said, let us go ahead and read, starting in verse 31 through verse 46. 
This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my uh, strong refuge and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, those who hated me, and I destroyed them. They looked, <clears throat> but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with my people. You kept me as a head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. That is the word of the Lord. Let us um, pray and ask God's blessing upon his word. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for what you do and how you do it. Um, I don't always appreciate it, but it's usually towards the end that I'm able to look back and just praise you for your faithfulness. Uh, Lord, help me, strengthen me, allow me to give your word to your people in, in your timing. Um, this is my prayer for us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, <clears throat> like I said, verse 31 has kind of been the biggest impact for me in these verses, and I'm going to kind of focus our first point there, mainly on verse 31. Verses 32 through 37 will kind of serve as that reality of that verse kind of opening for uh, David in his life. And so that, that's where our first point is found. We're going to cover those, but the bulk of this first point is going to be found in verse 31. So let me reread that verse. It says this, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Now, one of the things that stood out to me during my time of preparation this week, um, and I kind of emphasize it as I read it, is that phrase, this God. Um, there's 51 verses in this, in this chapter and it's kind of easy to just breeze through right as you're reading the Psalms or, or whatever or this, this passage here and kind of just assume that certain words are just there, just kind of these are the way we translate words in English. But the thing is, in verse 31 and verse 33, they both say this God. They both start with those two words, this God, and then it goes on. And so usually whenever we see repetitive language, or kind of like a, a break from a certain type of form, there's an emphasis that's being put there. Now, why do I say that? Well, there is a, a lot of commentators agree with this, and I even listened to a couple of sermons where they, they brought this up. There is a literary device that David's using here. Now, if, I'm, I'm assuming most of you aren't literary nerds like I'm not, um, but I want to give you a $5 word that you can either take or leave. You want to add it into your you know, dictionary or maybe use it with words with friends or something, go right ahead. But um, the word is chiasmus. That's what's going on here in verses 31 through 33. Anybody here familiar with that word chiasmus? Probably not, right? I didn't know it either, so I don't, I don't blame you. Why do I bring that up? Well, we all know what it is. We just don't know that it's called that. If I was to tell you God is good all the time, what is your response going to be? And all the time God is good. All right, that's a chiasmus. 
Okay, you're like, okay, cool. So that, that's what that is, right? You say something one way and then you re reiterate that same thought like backwards, right? It, you kind of repeat it in a different way. That's what that is and that's what we see in, in these verses, 31 through 33. Now, what is David's emphasis, right? Well, he's, he's referring to this God. That, that's, the, that's the focal point of what he's saying, this God, right? Who, who is this God? Well, he's, the, he's not these foreign gods. He's not these carved images. He is the one true God. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the eternal King of glory. He is the Good Shepherd, the Prince of Peace, the Son of Man, God Almighty, Yahweh, Jehovah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the creator of heavens, of the heavens and the earth. He is the one who created everything you see, and he's the one who created you. He is the one who created the breath that you breathe, right? It's that God that he's referring to. And I think it's easy to kind of, yeah, you know, we know who God is, but do we really think about who God truly is, right? The fact that in one instance we bless God with our words, and the next instance we curse God with our words, right? God is the one who is merciful to allow us to even do those things that are against his will. But it's this God that David is referring to. And so this God, this, this, this God Almighty, right, this God that we serve, is, it's, it's him who his ways are perfect, right? When he's talking about this God, his way is perfect, I guess when I think about that, I'm like, Yes, right? I mean, it, of course, if he's the one who created all things, if he is the one that spoke and all things came into existence, he is the one that created order, well, he couldn't do anything but what is perfect. And because he is who he says he is, I can trust him, right? And I can trust that with certainty, his way is perfect. As David said in another psalm, some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. I think if we were to take that phrase, right, that's kind of outdated for us today, nobody rides around on chariots, at least I don't think you do. Uh, I think another way we could, we could word that is if we were to say some trust in housing and some in checking accounts, right? Some people are trusting that as long as they have money in their account, things are gonna be okay, right? As long as they have a roof over their head, things are gonna be okay. Right, as long as I have my health or I have my spouse or my kids or this job, right, we put our trust in these different things, but it's God who our trust should be in, amen, right? We need to trust in the name of the Lord because his way is perfect, right? Regardless of the situations, no matter where I find myself, his way is perfect, right? I plan my steps. Yeah, we should definitely have a five-year plan. There's nothing wrong with that. Right, but where that doesn't align with what God has for us, who, who's true and who's the liar? Right? Whose way should I trust? Should I trust my own way or the way that, that God is leading me? Now, not only is this God perfect in all his ways, his word proves true. Right? His word proves true. Now, when, when I hear that, it kind of my mind goes one direction. And I think the, the rendering of some other translations, for me, better articulate what's going on here. Because the, the NIV says the word of the Lord is flawless, right? The word of the Lord is flawless. It's, it's one thing for some, to me, when I think of it, it's one thing for something to be proven true, right? If you think about someone who's been arrested for a crime, right? They're innocent until proven guilty. Well, in reality, we're all thinking they're guilty until proven innocent, right? There's this assumed guilt over them and they're having to be proven innocent. 
And the word of God isn't like that, right? I don't, I don't think of the word of God. We shouldn't think of the word of, that, of God that way. It should be thought of as flawless or like a diamond, right? When you look at a flawless diamond, someone can inspect it and verify that it's flawless, but that diamond was flawless regardless of someone seeing it or not. Amen? That's the word of God. It's flawless. It's, uh, the King James renders it tried. The NASB says refined, right? When you think of pure gold or silver, these things that are refined, that, that the, the thought is purity within uh, those, those things. And, and that's the way we should think of the word of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring that up and, and focus on the, the purity aspect, the flawless aspect of the word of God, is because as people, and I, I would say myself included, we tend to want God to prove himself, right? Like, I know your word says it, I have doubt, so prove to me that your word is true, right? Give me a sign to show me that this is what you're asking me to do, right? We, we, we are people who like signs. We like God to just, we just want to sit there and wait for God to prove himself to us so that we can walk in obedience. Instead of we want to see and then believe instead of believe so we can't see. Amen? Am I stepping on anybody's toes yet? Or is that just me? Right? I mean, we look for signs. That's, that's what we do. Lord, give me a sign because I don't know if I should take this job. I don't know if I should pursue this person, right, if you're single. I, sh- I don't know if, if I should do X, Y, or Z. Give me a sign to show me that this is what you have for me. And it's, it's like, okay, well, where, where is my trust if I'm looking for signs? Like I said, this is something that I do. I'm guilty of it, so I, I'm, I'm preaching this to myself first. Don't, don't think that I'm trying to single you out if you feel that way, but <clears throat> this is what Jesus said concerning signs, right? At people asking for signs. Matthew 12, 38 and 39. He says this, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, you may say, are you calling me a scribe or Pharisee if I look for signs? No, no, we, this, is, this is what we do. The, the natural man wants signs. We want something tangible so that we can believe in God. But is our faith in, in God or isn't it that tangible thing that we're seeking to grasp, right? So we have to focus on God, right? What did God say? He told us to not seek signs, but to seek him first and his kingdom, and all these things will be added to us, right? We seek God in prayer. That's where we start. First, seek God, him and his righteousness. Then we seek God in his word, right? David says this in Psalm 12, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times, right? We seek God in in, in prayer, and we seek God in his word, and then we see God in his people. Hey, I, I think this is what I've read. I've been praying about this. I've sought God in his word. Am, am I missing something? Is, are my own selfish desires kind of skewing what God's word says? You get confirmation that way. No, yeah, you're right. This, is, this aligns with what scripture teaches. Go for it, you know? And then, then, right, after you've done all the legwork that you need to do, you walk by faith, and if God has that for you, it's going to happen. If not, he's going to take you in the direction you need to go. Amen? He is a, a shield for all those who take refuge in him, right? We seek him in his word. His way is perfect, right? We, we pray and ask God to, sh- to show us his will, right? Let me walk by faith, not by sight, and trust that you're leading me down this path because I know your word, it's proven true. It's, it's over and over again, right? It, your word is flawless. 
And if I take refuge in you, I'm, if, if you're my shield, right? As I walk through this, things will, things will work out exactly how they're intended to. Now, before we move on, <clears throat> that's how we kind of think of it for us today, right? But for David, he kind of lays out what's going on for him. Right after he says this in verse 31, 32, and 33, he begins it this way in verse 34 through uh, 37. He says, <clears throat> he made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hand for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. So for David, right, he, he sees God as his righteousness, as his perfect plan, right? Like he sought the Lord, God tells him what to do and he follows it. And because of that, this was the result of his um, trusting in God and leading him in paths of righteousness. David had no doubt that God would be faithful to him, that God would deliver him, that God would provide for him in order for him to defeat all his enemies. And not only, not only to defeat his enemies like by the skin of his teeth, but he, deal, he did so skillfully. Like he, he, his enemies were, were fearful of him because of the way that he was able to, to eradicate, to destroy his enemies so um, so quickly and without any false slip-ups. It wasn't like he, he did some Hail Mary passes at the end of the battle and, and pulled victory from the jaws of defeat. It was, he, he was going through, and wherever his, he placed his feet, he saw victory, right? It was, it was kind of like how you see some of these dynasty in sports where they seem to do no wrong. I mean, it was like that. That's how David was able to defeat all his enemies. It was clearly that God was at work in the midst of those trials, or excuse me, those battles. So that's how God provided for David. <clears throat> now, as we continue in verses 38 through 46, this is how we'll see that God protected him in the midst of his obedience. As he walked uh, down this path that God called him to, he protected him. Uh, let me reread those verses, 38, or yeah, excuse me, 38 through 46. He says, I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them, I thrust them through so that, excuse me, they did not rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, those who hated me, and I destroyed them. They looked, and there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them as fine as dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from the strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost their heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. Now, this, this, was, this sounds like he had no issue, right? As he went to battle, I mean, it, everything just, it was like dominoes falling, right? That, that's, how, um, that's how efficient God was in allowing David to defeat his enemies. And as I was studying through this and thinking about what was going on here and thinking about how God protects his people, he's our shepherd, right? Though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we will fear no evil for he is with us. His rod and his staff comforts us, right? Having that kind of security, that type of protection that he offers us. I thought about this phrase and I had to look it up. Um, I, I don't know who the guy is. His name's Warren Wearsby. I don't know what that is, but the, the phrase is this. The safest place in all the world is in the will of God, right? The safest place in all the world is in the will of God. Now, yeah, amen, right? Like, I believe it, <clears throat> but then I think about it like, okay, 
within, I'm sure within its context, wherever he said this, I'm sure it's 100% spot on. But at the same time, I think about Paul, right? Like, was it the safest place for him to follow God's call in his life? Because it caused him to get beaten and shipwrecked and tormented and eventually killed, right? Like, is it the safest place to be physically? Right? Spiritually, absolutely, right? But physically, you know, one could question that. So I think a better way, this, this would be the way I would say it, right? Um, I'm not good with these phrases, but to, to make it a little less unclear, I think the way it should be said is the, um, the best place in all the world is to be in the will of God, right? That's the best place you can be. There, there is no better place to be than in the will of God, right? It may not necessarily be safe, may not necessarily be pleasurable, but it's always the best place you can be right, is in the will of God. Because God promises heartache, he promises pain, he promises troubles, right? That's what Jesus said, right? In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome this world, right? You're going to experience it, but take heart, right? Be of good courage. I am with you, and I've already overcome this world. These things are not meaningless, they're not pointless, they, they, they have meaning, they have purpose, they are building up for you an eternal weight of glory that's beyond all comparison. Right, all these troubles that we are going through, that's what they are doing. <clears throat> and David talks about this earlier in our past, well, not in our passage today, but earlier. This was the last sermon I preached, which was three weeks ago. Uh, this was found in verse 7. He says this, In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I called. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. And then this, uh, this other verse that, he, that David also says, which is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, Psalm 34, verse 17 through 19. It says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I really love that passage. And, and any time anyone I know goes through something, that's what I tend to share with them because you're brokenhearted when you're in the midst of, of grief, right? Your heart is broken. Uh, you're, 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 you're broken and you're crushed. But God is the one who saves you. He is the one who's near you. Like that's, that's who God is. You cry out and he's there for you, right? God hears the cries of his people. They don't fall on a deaf ear. You call me, I might miss your call if I'm being honest with you. It, it may happen call upon the Lord, he's always there. Amen? Now, one thing that's been stressed as we've been preaching through First and Second Samuel is the, the contrast between the life of Saul and the life of David. This has been kind of a reoccurring theme throughout these two uh, books. False, false. Saul forsook the Lord, went after other gods, sought out mediums to find the will of God, did all these things against God. David sought the Lord. Right, he, he continued to seek after the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. Right? Those are the two different things, and we see the results of that. For Saul, it led to his death. For David, it led to a blessed, a, a you know, a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Like a troubled life. Right? I mean, he had lots of wear and, wear and tear on, those, on, on his body uh, over the years of, of anguish and being on the run, but he had a blessed life. Right? He wrote a bunch of psalms singing God's praises, uh, but, but that was because he always sought the Lord in his times of trouble. And he knew God was faithful, right? He knew that. In the midst of all the, the things that he was going through in his life, he always knew God was faithful. And for us today, as God's people, this is true for you as well, 
And, and I think it's, it's easy to say that and it's easy to kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know that, but it's, it's true, right? When you go through something, when you're in the midst of that trial, those are things that are hard for us to grasp, right? I, yes, I know, just trust God, believe in him, pray, right? We, we know those things to be true, but it's, it's that, that, that separation between what's true and how we feel, right? Bridging that gap is, is difficult. Uh, it, it's trying, but we have to remind ourselves of what God has for us is, is, is perfect, right? His will is perfect. His word is proven true. This is who God is, and, and we need to believe that. We, we need to constantly go back to that because my emotions, my desires, my will will take me here and there. It'll toss me to and fro like the waves of a sea. But God's word is always true, right? Jesus was asleep in the midst of the storm, right? That's his, his serenity, his peace, right? That, that's, that's who he is. We're the ones that are crying and Lord save us. We're, we're about to die, but he's the one that was steady, right? He was he knew, he knew what, what was going on, and, and he was okay. But it's us that are the ones that are rocky. But I think, you know, something that we need to do is <clears throat> to look back, right? Not to be so focused where we are, but to look back and, and how God was faithful to us throughout our lives, right? If, if we are able to look back, and especially after the storm, right, we're able to look back at, at God's faithfulness in our lives, I think we would be more surprised at like, yeah, he, he has proven himself over and over and over again. Every time I go through something, he's the one constant, right? I'm the one that's going off the walls and doing this, but God, his, his hand was always at work in the midst of all those things. I know at different times when we've gone through different trials and pain, there's always been people praying for us, reaching out to us, serving us in different ways. And it's like, yeah, I can focus in on the pain and the heartache and all those things that I'm going through, but in the midst of that, there's people that have surrounded us in prayer and in love and compassion and, and empathy, right, as you're going through that. And what a beautiful blessing that is to be able to have that. Not everybody has that. Not everybody's willing to do that. But God's people, the spirit of God within us, like, compels us to do this for one another. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see God at work in the midst of all these uh, different trials that we go through. And so for David... Um, it's no different, and we see it in these verses. He's able to kind of generalize the things that he went through in his life in these next couple of verses, and this is concerning the battles, right? When we think about David's life, he was a man of war, and so he had lots of physical battles that he went through, but countless times, over and over again, God showed himself faithful. And listen to how he says it in verses 38 and 39. He says this, I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet, right? He's, he's just talking about how they were just wiped out, right? All these things David did, right? I, I, I. Now, you may say, well, David is kind of cocky here, right? What, what is, why is he all about himself? Well, I don't think that's the case, and we'll see what, what he says in the next couple of verses. But this is David walking by faith. Right, not worrying about what the end result is. God has told me to do these things, and this is what I did. Look at the next couple of verses, 40 through 42. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says this, For you equipped me with the strength for the battle. You made me, or excuse me, you made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me. Those who hated me, I destroyed them. They looked, but there was no one to save them. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Right, so there's this contrast between God's people 
and those who are not, right? God loves his people. He cares for his people. He protects his people. When his people cry out, he answers them and delivers them from all their fears. But the lost, the wicked, the enemies, the unbelievers, he does not answer them. Their cries go unanswered. And David, in these moments, was actively serving a God, as God's right hand of justice. Judgment was handed down on these people, and David served as the executioner, and it was too late for these people, right? At that point, when they were crying out, those cries went unanswered. It was, it was their end. He goes on in verse 43 to say this, I beat them fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. All right, that's pretty... Pretty specific, and I mean, it's it's he's using poetic language here, but he's he's going to this hyperbolic language, this extreme, to show just how um, how well they vanquished the enemies of God, and this was all done um, to show God's justice, uh, where no sin goes unpunished. Right? God does not allow sin to go unpunished. His eyes are in every place, keeping watch over the the good and the evil, and and every sin will be punished. And so during David's reign as king, he is serving as the king of God's people. He is God's representative in this time, and, and his, God's intent was to, um, to wipe out evil that surrounded the people of God. And that's, and that's what he did through David. But uh, God not only um, protected him in this way, but I, I like what he says here in, verses, uh, in verse 44 in particular. This is another form of protection that God gave David. He says this, uh, you delivered me from strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me as, as soon as they heard me, they obeyed me. That foreigners lost their heart or lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. Now, when, when David vanquishes enemies, right, there was seasons where the people had turned to Absalom or Saul or, or whoever else there was that was battling for that, that position. And as David would cry out in repentance or sought to reconcile, he would sway the hearts of the people back to him. We saw this over and over again uh, through 2 Samuel. But this is what he did where it says, you kept me as head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came uh, cringing to me. All that speaks to that. But the part that I want to focus on before we close is verse 44. um, When he says, the strife... You delivered me from the strife with my people. Now, I think most of us would agree. It's one thing if, like, people you don't know don't like you or people that you don't like don't like you or people that you barely know don't like you, right? It's one thing if those kind of people, because you're like, well, they don't really know me, whatever. It's not a big deal. Uh, But it's a completely other thing whenever your own people don't like you, right? When your own people, there's strife within the family. Uh, that's, that's a different type of pain. Um, and, and, you know, as we're here on this, this Mother's Day Sunday, um, you know, I'm sure there's a few moms here today uh, that the perfect gift for them on this Mother's Day would be some reconciliation within the home. Amen? <clears throat> I know within our, our own house, there was times when I was growing up, right, I was good about causing strife from time to time. You may not believe that, but... Uh, that, that was, you know, I didn't always make it easy on my parents. But uh, I remember there was one time in particular where they had, my, I would say my dad in particular, had enough of us, me and my brother, right? And uh, I was like, you know what? And I was grown at this time. I was, I, well, I, 
I was like 19, I think. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I'm out, right? I'm leaving. I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. So I was headed out the door, not storming. I just kind of like, I'm leaving. And it was, there was strife. There was turn, turmoil. And my mom was like, no, she didn't yell, right? My mom doesn't yell. Uh, <laughs> she was like, no, you are not leaving. We don't act this way in our home, right? We're going to, to work through this. And I was like, there is no working. In my mind, I'm like, there is no working through this. I'm, I'm, I'm done, right? It's, it's, it's a wrap for me. Um, but thank God for moms who stand up for truth, right? Who, who uh, are praying for us and, and doing things like that. It's, it's a beautiful thing because, like I said, in my flesh, I wanted nothing. I was, I, was, I was over it, right? I was ready to call it a day, but thank God for moms who are prayer, who pray, who love, who do not allow evil and, and things like that within the home. Uh, but that was something that, that I always look back to where I was like, that could have been a huge turning point within my relationship with my parents had she let that go. Uh, but by God's grace, right, his plan is perfect. His word is proven true. And the things that I want aren't the, or the things that I thought I wanted were not what he had. Uh, and, and by God's grace, it, it worked out. And so I'm thankful for that. But that's not always the case, right? If we think about it, there's not always a happy ending, right? Some of you right now may not be experiencing that kind of reconciliation with children, with, with your mother maybe. Uh, this is a reality. But what did David say here? He says, you delivered me from strife with my people. Right? He didn't say, I delivered myself. Right? I was able to do enough to bring back this family and, and to, to reconcile myself. It, it has nothing to do with, with David. Right? David sought the Lord. He cried out, and God answered him. Right? God's the one who is working these things out within his own timing. So who is the you that, God, uh, that David is referring to here? Right? Well, as we mentioned earlier, this God. Right? This God is the one that delivered them from the strife with his people, right? The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except for our God? This God is my strong refuge, amen? Right, it, it takes God. It, 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 we can't do anything in our own strength. We can't, I can plan to go to work. I can plan to leave here today, right? I can, but if God has other plans, it's, that's the way it's gonna work out. I need to trust in him. He is the one that holds the, the keys, right? He is the one who is the director of my path, and I need to trust him. I need to know that his way is perfect, not the things that I want, right? When my things align with God's, praise God for that because it, it just makes it that much easier. But that's not always the case because we tend to be really selfish. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. <clears throat> now, as we close, there's always something to stress about, always. I mean, you, you can always find something to worry about, to be anxious about, because uh, there's always heartache, pain, suffering, strife. All these things are always going on. Um, they're, they're a reality for this life. Um, life is always going to be a little bit uncomfortable, always. I mean, as you get older, you know, body starts aching, right? You don't feel like you used to. You got to sleep a little longer. It takes longer getting out of bed or whatever, right? There's all these things, and I'm, as I'm nearing 40, I'm feeling it a little bit more. Uh, and y'all are probably saying 40, but, but yeah, like it's, and when I hit 30, it was the same thing. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, we just, these bodies are wasting away, right? And that's, these are temporary tents that we find ourselves in. 
And I, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer as I say that, but it's just the reality of it, right? That's, this is just the reality. I don't think any of us would deny that. Jesus said it, and I'm just following in his footsteps. But if you're looking for hope, right, if you're like, well, give me something, right? If you're telling me this is the way life is and it's kind of, you know, this is, this is as good as it gets, where, where is the good news? Where is the hope? Well, if you're looking for any comfort, any joy, any hope, anything, it is only found in Christ, and it comes through him and from God alone. That's it. That, that's the only place where you'll find it. You may find temporary pleasures in this life, like watching movies, eating good food. All those things are blessings from God, but we can't worship the gifts. It's got to be the giver of those gifts that we have to worship. But we must remember this God. His way is perfect, his word proves true, and he is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Let us pray.